Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And welcome to Nature Folk with Selena Fox, brought to us every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. Nature Folk with Selena Fox is a production of Circle Sanctuary's radio ministry program. Tonight's program is a rebroadcast of an earlier episode of Circlecraft Studies from August 2014, where Selena discussed ways that individuals and communities of diverse religious and spiritual traditions are converging and working for a better world through dialogue, conferences, ceremonies, networks, and projects. And following Nature Folk, please stay tuned for the other Circle Sanctuary radio ministry program, Circle Talk. Welcome to Circle Craft Study with Selena Fox. This is Selena Fox, and tonight we enter and explore the world of interfaith. And I invite you during this show to join me in exploring interfaith journeys. What is interfaith? It is the convergence of people and traditions of different beliefs, of different religions, spiritualities, and philosophies. I invite you to join me in the next few moments of quiet as I do an inner religious or inner faith attunement. Divine as one. Divine that is known by many names in many ways across beliefs, faiths, philosophies. Divine that's within us, the divine which is around us, divine that is beyond us. We honor you. We call to you. Be with us and guide us now as we explore some of the many ways that those who are attuned to religion and spirituality connect with the divine and connect with each other in diverse ways and finding common ground. So mote it be. Namaste. Shalom. Amen. Blessed be. I began my interfaith journey during my youth. 
during the beginnings of the civil rights movement for racial equality in the USA. I encountered people who wanted to work for a society where the color of one's skin did not lead to discrimination and unequal treatment. I saw people of different churches, synagogues, and other religious centers and traditions joining together in this common quest for civil rights, peace, justice, and racial equality. My own interfaith journey continued as I became active in other social justice causes. The quest for gender equality, the quest for environmental sustainability and protection, the quest for world peace. And my journey continues on to this day, continuing to value working for a better, more peaceful, healthier world with equality, peace, justice, freedom. I would like to share with you, not only from my own interfaith journey experiences, some information that I have learned through my interface with others on interfaith paths. Sometimes interfaith is called interreligious. Sometimes it's called multi-faith or multi-religious. In bringing people of different beliefs together, the focus is not to homogenize everyone's beliefs, but to converge the diversity to find commonality and from that common ground to collaborate for something that's mutually beneficial, not only for those involved, but for the larger world of which we are part. There's a number of different types of interfaith endeavors, and I'd like to share some of those with you as part of our interfaith journeys tonight. Dialogue. This is a special way of communicating in which those who are talking about an issue, a topic, an experience, a concept, share from their own experience and understanding while all of the others in the group give that person full attention 
and respect. And when the person is done with their ong sharing, there's a few moments of silence. And then the next person to speak will speak. And this continues until the whole group has had an opportunity to each express some understanding, some perspective on the topic at hand. It differs from a discussion in which there is crosstalk and sometimes debate on particular points. Here the focus is expression and listening, a sharing and a reflecting on that sharing. Dialogue happens in small group settings, and sometimes it happens in larger conferences, especially when there is the opportunity for larger groups to break up into smaller groups to each have dialogue experience. I am part of an interfaith dialogue group that has been meeting for more than 20 years. It meets every month at a Roman Catholic center near Madison, Wisconsin. It's a small group, yet it's a diverse group. They're Christian, of members of many different denominations. They're also members of other religious traditions, Baha'i, Buddhist, Hindu, Native American, Jewish, Sufi, Muslim, just to name a few, and of course, pagan. I've been the longest and the first pagan member of the group. I find taking part in interfaith dialogue to be a wonderful way to experience the viewpoints and the wisdom of others of different belief systems. Another form of interfaith is that of organizations. They can be of different sizes, different scopes, Dialogue groups are an example of an organization. Um, local councils. Certain urban areas have interfaith councils. Sometimes those councils are regional or statewide or, or they're national or global. Some examples of organizations in which interfaith cooperation and convergence happen include the North American Interfaith Network, also known as NAIN, the United Religions Initiative, the Council for the Parliament of the World's Religions, and Interfaith 
power, and light. There are interfaith gatherings. These might be held at a particular religious community site, a church, a center, a temple, a mosque, different interfaith series might be held um, with a different speaker from a different religion in each of the evenings or the mornings of the program. A gathering that happens every year in Wisconsin, where I live, and I've been part of this gathering since it began, is Interfaith Awareness Week. And this week includes December 10th, the UN Declaration of Human Rights was adopted on that date. Interfaith Awareness Week in Wisconsin includes not only a program in which there are speakers and performers from different faith traditions, but also an exhibit of religious diversity within the state. And that's held in the rotunda of the state capitol. This is not a way to proselytize, but to put information out from different forms of religion in the state. Circle Sanctuary has had a pagan exhibit talking about nature religion and forms of paganism, the craft or Wicca, um, Druidism, Northern Way, heathenism, and other forms of nature spirituality is part of that. There are other types of interfaith weeks in other parts of the U.S. and other parts of the world as well. Sometimes the gatherings take the form of a panel in which there are representatives from different religious traditions all present to talk about a particular topic. There are webinars in which people from different religious traditions join together, not only to take part in the webinar, but often the speakers also are from different religions. One of the best known and largest of the interreligious international conferences is the Parliament of the World's Religions. In 1893, the first Parliament of World's Religions was held in Chicago, Illinois, USA. It is seen as the um, event that really helped bring about contemporary interreligious work and communication. In addition to Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, there were people from what often is called Eastern religions also present, and a great convergence of religious leaders and thinkers, scholars, 
from different parts of the world were part of the very first parliament of the world's religions. 100 years later, in, eight, in 1993, <clears throat> there was a centennial parliament of the world's religions, and this started the next era of interreligious um, convergence in a conference format. There had been other types of interfaith conferences in the hundred years between, but by having a centennial parliament of the world's religions, an effort was made to be even more inclusive of diversity. And there were over 200 sponsoring religious organizations. Five of those were pagan. And one of those was Circle Sanctuary. I led the Circle Sanctuary delegation, and each of the sponsoring groups had five people from their group march in the opening procession to the great plenary that began the conference. The pagans were quite colorful with many different um, garments and colors and shapes and patterns. Other religions were more uniform in their style of dress. Overall, the, the conference itself was a great success and the opening plenary was a very inclusive gathering. <clears throat> Other parliaments have happened since then, and I've had um, the honor and privilege of also being part of some of those. The next parliament was in 1999 in Cape Town, South Africa, and I was among the pagans that were part of that gathering. We had several people from Circle Sanctuary there, people from Pagan Federation International, Covenant of the Goddess, and a variety of other pagan groups were among those at Cape Town. Then, in 2004, was the Parliament of the World's Religions in Barcelona, Spain, and that brought together even more diversity, and there were even more pagans present at that parliament. In 2009, the next parliament was held in Australia, and there were people from Circle Sanctuary that were part of that gathering. I joined the gathering through the cyber support. I wasn't physically present. The next parliament is being planned for 2015 in the United States, and there should be some information about that coming out soon where it's going to be held and the dates. Gatherings are a wonderful way of exploring interreligious realms. You not only have diversity and the speakers and program activities, but those who are attending are from many different traditions. And at international gatherings, you also have a mixture of ethnicities and cultures and languages in addition to religious differences and 
um, different countries represented. In 1988, I was part of the World Council of Churches' very first international interfaith dialogue conference for women. Margot Adler and I were among the women who spoke at that event. We were the two from goddess traditions and paganism. And it was a transformative event. We were able to help build some bridges of understanding about pagan ways at that event, as well as dispel some misconceptions which some of the monotheists held about us who were more polytheistic in our approach. Uh, there continues to be a variety of different gatherings being planned in different communities, and some of these are annual events. For a number of years, I helped put on the Greater Madison Interfaith Thanksgiving. We all came together um, at a Lutheran church, people of different religious traditions, to share poetry, readings, prayers, talks, music, performances around the theme of Thanksgiving. In addition to gatherings, another form of interfaith is that of projects. Many people are most um, connected with a project or most aware of it. Many cities have homeless shelters that have an interreligious support, or there may be um, food pantries, elder care, Circle Sanctuary does a charity food drive every year at Yuletide, and the food that we collect is combined with the food collected by other religious groups, other Christian churches in the area, we being the only pagan one, but all of our food goes together at a food pantry in the local Lutheran church, and the food is distributed to people regardless of what their belief system, whether they have any religious affiliation or not. So that's an example of a charity project that has an interreligious dimension to it. I mentioned my start with civil rights for racial equality work. Um, and social justice is another way that people converge together from different faith traditions. Doing research and education is another important way that people of different beliefs can come together. And there are some excellent resources available for those who seek to learn more about religious diversity. 
the best resource for religious diversity in the United States of America comes out of Harvard University, the Pluralism Project, headed by Professor Dr. Diana Eck. And this has been going on for more than 20 years. They have an excellent website, pluralism.org. They have information about 15 different types of world religions within the United States. There's a directory giving examples of religious diversity, different communities across the United States. There's links to news articles about interreligious work as well as news reports about different faith communities. Um, a DVD was done in the 1990s. Um, a CD-ROM actually is called On Common Ground, which is still an excellent resource. Uh, but many of those um, things on that resource are now online and readily available. Another project I'd like to share is that called the Charter for Compassion. And Karen Armstrong, a theologian from England, developed this project with the help of people who were thinkers and leaders of a variety of different religions. The idea is to have some common words and ideals for bringing more compassion into the world, for actualizing shared values, whether you call it the golden rule or the Wiccan read, um, to either do to others as you want them to do to you or not do to others as you don't want them to do to you. Um, across the different world religions, there's some form of that basic way of taking others into account and being in good relation with them. In addition to dialogue, a process, organizations of different types, gatherings, and projects, there are ceremonies. Life passage ceremonies increasingly bring together people from different beliefs and religious and spiritual traditions. Over the years, my own work officiating life passage ceremonies, baby blessings, coming-of-age ceremonies into adulthood, marriages, coming-of-age into elder adulthood, croning and saging, funerals, to name a few of life passage rites. Increasingly, those who are attending are from more than one religious tradition and belief system. And increasingly, those who are joining their lives together or celebrating a life passage have diversity within their way of relating to the sacred, to source. And one of the things that I endeavor to do in planning a life passage ceremony is to make sure I not only get um, more information about the beliefs and traditions 
of the person or persons that are at the center of the life passage, but of the diversity of beliefs within the community that will be attending. Another form of ceremony that has an inner religious dimension is that in response to tragedies. September 11th has been one of those occasions right after the attacks on America happened in 2001 on September 11th. People of different religious communities held not only ceremonies and times of prayer in their own communities, but in many places interreligious ceremonies were held or events were held that were open to people of many different spiritual and religious traditions. At the 9-11 site itself, there was an Episcopal church very nearby that quickly evolved from doing Episcopal ceremonies of support to being a center where people of many different faiths could come, to being a place where people of different religions could pray together in an interreligious service. And during the Parliament of the World's Religions in South Africa um, and in Barcelona, I had occasion to connect with people from different religious traditions that opened the doors of their religious place to those of other religions in response to tragedies. Sometimes memorial vigils are held around a natural disaster or some type of mass shooting or other horrible thing. And the common ground of kindling candles, of singing together, of silence together, of prayers spoken together, have been healing. Sometimes in a religious Ceremonies responding to tragedy are broadcast on television, on radio, on the Internet, which makes possible the opportunity for people of different backgrounds to also take part. And then there's also ceremonies that build bridges of understanding and connection. Every year at the First Unitarian Society Church in Madison, Wisconsin, Circle Sanctuary hosts a multicultural interfaith winter solstice pageant. In addition to the pagans and connected with us and the Unitarians connected with the venue, 
there are people of many different backgrounds that come to our winter solstice pageant because they want to take part in a holiday celebration that brings together people of many different spiritual traditions. Where to go if one wants to learn more about interfaith work? Well, a good place to start is doing some online research. If there's a particular area a geographical area that you are part of and you want to see what kind of interfaith activities there are, type in some keywords in a search engine such as Google, um, interfaith events, and then put in the particular location. And hopefully you will get some information that way. Another thing that one can do to find out about local events and about events that are more far-reaching that one could connect with online is to connect with one or more of the national and global organizations that I've mentioned previously. The NAIN, North American Interfaith Network, is a really great source of information for what's happening in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. United Religions Initiative, the uh, Council for the Parliament of the World's Religions, actually has not only a really good information-packed website, but you can sign up for news bulletins coming from them. Interfaith Power and Light has chapters in different parts of the country. And so those are just a few examples, by no means um, um, comprehensive. There are many, many endeavors that are happening. I think one of the reasons to get involved with interreligious work is to broaden your own understanding of diversity in humankind so that you can be a better world citizen, that you can have more information about the different beliefs that are on the planet and with that information have more understanding and have better communication and cooperation. I do think when times of challenge emerge that a powerful way of joining together with those of other beliefs is to do a personal ritual, prayers, meditations, to bring healing support to a situation. And to uh, to join one's own spiritual activities alone or with a small group or even a larger group with a larger network of outpouring. Another way that you can get involved in interreligious work is to an attend an event or to donate to a project. 
It's a way of supporting these efforts. And I do think education is important, not only online, but there's um, lots of articles and books and documentaries that are now, you know, available in a variety of different ways. And you can get some really great resource lists by going to interreligious websites. Regardless of how you may want to actualize interreligious journeys in your own life, it's important to be aware that the interfaith movement, as it's sometimes known, is an important part of how humans can cooperate for a better world. And whether one is um, active in multiple ways or not, being aware of the interreligious movement and supporting it by respecting it, talking with others about it, all can help broaden understanding and enhancing cooperation so needed in the world today. Now in the final part of this, I would like to close with a short meditation and then move into discussion about inner religious work with David and Jeanette Ewing, and should you wish to join the conversation, asking a question, um, sharing an experience, you're welcome to call in at 347-308-8222. So in the next few moments of quiet, as you center yourself, Connect with the sacred according to your own tradition, your own path. And as you do so, recognize that you are part of a great community of life, of human diversity on planet Earth. Invite the divine to speak to you about ways that you can listen, communicate, work together with those of other beliefs for a better world. Imagine yourself surrounded with a circle of light. And then expand your vision to envision circles of light 
around others interested and cooperating in interreligious efforts. Imagine a great network of circles joined together with rays of light surrounding the planet as a whole. Imagine that network pulsing with radiant light, white light with all the colors of the rainbow in perfect harmony and balance. In the next few moments of quiet, focus on peace. Peaceful planet. Focus on love within the circle of nature, humankind not only being in harmonious, loving ways with each other, but with the rest of the natural world. And finally, focus on well-being. For the planet and its community of life as a whole. Now and in the times to come. So mote it be. Aho. Namaste. Amen. Shalom. Blessed be. So I invite into the conversation David and Jeanette Ewing. And any of you in live chat, you're welcome to post some questions. And uh, those of you who want to call in, the number again is 347-308-8222. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Well, I know you and I have um, shared um, experiences with interfaith realms. I know that you have had connections with some of the work um, done with Unitarian Universalists. Yeah, back. yeah that's right. Um, yeah, at, at one point we were involved with a group, <clears throat> and we're still friends with a number of members of the group um, in the greater D.C. area, and, and uh, they are affiliated with... Uh, the uni, the UU Church of Arlington, right, um, and have had some uh, connections with people at a few other uh, UU churches here in the the DC metro area. And uh, one thing that is always interesting to me is how uh, multifaceted the church is in terms of people's unique spiritual beliefs. Um, and I think for people who are are pagan or Wiccan or, you know, what have you, who follow some sort of earth-based path, um, I think it's an important thing uh, if they want to start kind of putting their toe in the water of the interfaith realm, that one thing that they can do is uh, try to connect with a local 
UU Church. Yeah, and that's certainly a form of belief. Um, there are seven principles, and it brings together um, people who are ranged from someone that might call themselves um, deeply religious to those who are secular humanists. I mean, there's um, one of the things I like about um, being a guest minister at Unitarian Universalist churches is that diversity within its own congregation and the real openness to learning and sharing and working together with people of different beliefs. I know I've done some diversity education over the years. Sometimes that's taken the form of training prison chaplains. Sometimes it's chaplains in medical facilities. I've done a lot of interface with uh, chaplains in military installations as part of some ongoing diplomacy and um, building bridges of understanding about nature religions as a whole and paganism in particular so that those people connected with the different institutions, be they visiting clergy, providing services, or people that are within the institution themselves, um, are get fair and equal treatment. Um, I recall that uh, both of you have done some diversity education. Um, uh, yeah, with, um, well? We did, um, years ago, we were invited to uh, present. There was a uh, a religious program specialist who was attached to a Marine Corps base um, nearby, Aquatical Marine Corps base, who had invited us to come in and talk about Earth-based traditions uh, in a what they called a religious readiness brief, where he invited people, representatives uh, from other religions to come and speak and um, share some information and, and sort of share awareness. And then more recently, we have been reoccurring, uh, recurring guests at a business class at George Mason University. It's a graduate-level class. Isn't it a 500-level class? Uh, yeah, or it's, a, it's an upper division class right. that is uh, it's a diversity class, and it's a diversity in the workplace. And so the, the uh, professor talks about um, diversity from a number of different um, realms, mm -hmm. including, uh, you know, LGBT, uh, and there's a whole segment on religious diversity. And so uh, we've been speaking about paganism uh, for the past uh, several semesters, right. actually. Yeah, I think... Having these educational experiences are um, good for all involved. I know I having done interreligious work now for more than 50 years um, and um, being pagan and out as a pagan for most of that time, it hasn't always been an easy journey for those who are pagans to interface with those other religions because of some misconceptions about 
nature religions that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, certainly, um, 1,600 years of bad PR um, can be somewhat difficult to um, deal with, especially um, those who got some programming early on that anything that isn't of a particular faith, the other is somehow demonized or whatever. But if you can have a way of going into an interfaith situation with a loving heart, a willingness to be patient, to listen, and to relate relate one-on-one, that can really help by being real, authentic, and um, positive to help overcome some of um, prejudices that might be there. It's taken some time for um, pagans to have what's called a seat at the table at some interfaith conferences and in some interfaith organizations. I'm glad that the Council for the Parliament of the World's Religions, since it reemerged in 1993 has increasingly um, been more respectful and inclusive of pagans and pagans not only Wiccans but pagans of many different paths and 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 looking at indigenous traditions um, as well and building bridges of understanding that way when I was in South Africa I had occasion at the Parliament of the World's Religions to connect with people that had never met a pagan before in their life. You know, people from different parts of the world were really unaware that paganism even exists, and then there were some that had heard of it but had false perceptions, false and negative perceptions. Um, I was part of a special interfaith dialogue meeting, invitation only, that Hans Kuhn had put together, and I was part of a small group of religious leaders that were part of a roundtable talking about different world issues. Uh, The only other nature religions person was a woman from South Africa into traditional African ways. And we had a great time connecting with each other and discovering the commonalities that we had, celebrating the cycles of the seasons, honoring ancestors, honoring spirit of place, and overcoming misinformation about our nature-oriented traditions. So I, I do think it's very important to have opportunities where correct information about nature religion can be shared in interfaith context. I think those who are interested in doing interfaith work and really feel a calling to that would do well not only to do some education with those of different religions that are already involved in interfaith work, but particularly connect with 
others within one's own tradition that have gone before, that are already doing interfaith work to get some pointers, um, some tips for how to proceed and um, open doorways instead of um, having uh, more opportunities to problem solve. And I'm, I'm hoping that as we look ahead in the future, that increasingly those of nature religions will become more involved in interreligious journeys. Do you have any parting words before we do our um, closing music and head into the next show? Um, well, one one question that always comes to mind is uh, for someone who wants to uh, get involved in more interfaith work besides uh, the UU churches, what might be some other first steps that people can look at in terms of um, where they should try to start first? Are there um, interfaith organizations in uh, certainly in, in certain metropolitan areas that people could start looking for or anything like that? Yeah, um, some of the organizations I mentioned earlier, I'd say get some information on the web. And for those of you listening that have an interest in the Pagan Spirit Gathering, we have um, workshops as part of the Pagan Leadership Institute for um, those who want some special training in interreligious diplomacy. Um, in addition to interfaith, which brings together many different religions together, there's something known as intrafaith, which is bringing different pagan traditions together. So I think another good place would be to go to a gathering such as Pagan Spirit Gathering, which is Summer Solstice Week in northern Illinois that Circle Sanctuary sponsors every year, or go to some other multi-tradition gathering or conference and um, start sampling the diversity present. The idea of converging the diversity is for collaboration and understanding. We aren't um, endeavoring to have everybody be the same, you know, give up their own um, diverse um, paths, but to actually develop more appreciation. So instead of having all this diversity put, be put in a blender to try to homogenize, I think a much more fitting analogy is what I call the salad metaphor. All the different ingredients of a salad each maintain their own characteristic, but they're in the container that is the salad bowl, and the salad dressing um, is something that joins them together, and that salad dressing is connecting with each other through music, through prayer, through ceremony, through projects, through gatherings, um, through organizations, through dialogue. Well, thank you all.
for sharing your experiences. Thanks to everyone who's listening live and who will be listening later. May interfaith journeys continue to happen and be good. Well, I will be going to Merry Meet in Atlanta this weekend, and um, we're actually having an interfaith um, theme for the Leadership Institute on Thursday, and the gathering itself has a theme on common ground. And there will be other opportunities to connect with me and to connect with others doing interfaith work in the future. I invite you to share some of your own experiences at my main Facebook page, um, www.facebook.com slash Selena Fox Updates. And for more information about the interreligious work that Circle Sanctuary does, you can find us on the web, www.circlesanctuary.org.
and welcome to Circle Talk Radio, a production of Circle Sanctuary's Radio Ministries program. Join us here every Tuesday evening at, eight, at 9 p.m. Eastern following the Nature Folk program with the, with the Reverend Selena Fox as we discuss various topics of interest to the pagan community. Circle Talk Radio is hosted on alternating weeks by Circle Sanctuary Ministers Jeanette and David Ewing and Circle Minister Deborah Rose. Before we begin, we would like to express our thanks to the Witches School International and the Pagan Sunnet Radio Network for allowing us this opportunity to reach the community. For more information about Witches School, please visit them on the web at www.witchschool.com. And for more information about Circle Sanctuary, please visit us on the web at www.circlesanctuary.org. Welcome. Tonight's episode of Circle Talk is an encore presentation from November 2017, where Circle Minister Deborah Rose was joined by Brianne Ravenwolf to discuss the Transgender Day of Remembrance, remembering and honoring the memory of those whose lives were lost in acts of anti-transgender violence. Transgender Day, National Transgender Remembrance Day, is later in November, so stay tuned. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host tonight on Circle Talk. Gender Day of Remembrance is an annual observance on November 20th that honors the memory of those whose lives were lost in acts of anti-transgender violence. On Monday, November 20th, Circle Sanctuary Temple at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve near Barnabas, Wisconsin, will be hosting a Transgender Day of Remembrance Memorial Ceremony and Community Sharing Circle facilitated by Reverend Selena Fox and Brianna Ravenwolf. Tonight we're going to be talking to Brianna Ravenwolf, or Bree as her friends call her, about her journey as a trans a pagan transgender woman and what November twentieth means to her. Let's hear about Bree. Bree is a senior pagan transgender woman, which is gender nonconforming, and had the honor of being the first pagan to undergo the Seniorine Rite of Passage at PSG 2017. And I was lucky I got to attend her Seniorine Rite of Passage and meet Bree this PSG. Bree is very active in her worldwide transgender community and is a very active volunteer at Circle Sanctuary. In the last half of this year, she's had the privilege of assisting Selena at Full Moon Rituals and her workshops at Circle Sanctuary. Bree has done workshops on gender nonconforming issues at the Albuquerque Pagan Pride and the Cubs Group at the Rio Rancho UUA Church in New Mexico. Bree has been out as a trans woman since 2004 to all her friends and is in the final process of living authentically as a woman. She lives in Madison, Wisconsin at the present time and identifies as a lesbian woman. Her preferred pronouns are she and hers. Besides being a Circle Sanctuary member, Bree is also an active member of the Free Congregation of Sauk County in Sauk City, Wisconsin, a UUA fellowship, and has been working on her Unitarian Universalist Congregation, a UUA LGBTQI welcoming congregation. Welcome, Bree. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. And happy belated birthday. Bree's birthday was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite a quite a birthday too, Deborah. I wish you'd been there. Uh, you know, I, I know when I met you at PSG that um it was quite nice to meet you and a whole bunch of other people who I had never actually met. 
but uh-huh. uh, it was a it was a special uh, evening, and to have the opportunity to have a full moon ritual on my birthday is like uh, unbelievable. I'd never ever had had it happen. It worked out because uh, it was originally scheduled for Friday, and uh-huh. Selena was out of town, so you know it just happened to fall on Monday and. Um, I am very blessed by my goddesses on that, so I can't complain. That is fun. Well, tell me, um, tell me what you know about that Transgender Day of Remembrance. Well, the, you started it off really, really well. Um, the Transgender Day of Remembrance um, is that annual observance that honors the memory of those lives lost. Um, and for me, it's it's quite special because I've been working with um on Facebook groups um, with a number of moderators of a bunch of different groups. And one of them is uh, transgender violence. Another one is trans violence, both moderated by a good friend of mine, Mika from North Carolina. And a lot of the trans violence sites are actually facilitated by or helped out with trans women. So we understand a lot of what has happened in the past because we see it every day. Um, and I'm online with these sites every single day that I'm that I'm able to be on social media, let's put it that way. And it 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 is really it's quite powerful. Um I I would just hope that someday that we can get rid of the bigotry and the hatred especially um and this political climate right now, in my opinion, is not helping us a bit. And I honestly think that there's a bunch of far-right people that are trying to basically destroy us. Um, And it's a shame. I mean, you know, um, I know we talked earlier, uh, have I experienced violence against myself? Yes. Have I experienced um, suicidal thoughts and tendencies? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And stuff like that. So, Having it um, to be a visible uh, thing on social media and on the radio like uh, Pagans Tonight. And also, what you may not be uh, aware of is that November 14th through the 20th is a transgender um, awareness week. So a lot of us have been doing um, honoring the murdered victims. on and off all week, and there's going to be, or will be, in a number of local um, places around the country are observing it, some on the 17th and quite a few on the 20th, um, to have it every year on the 20th at Circle Sanctuary has been very, very uh, good. And I am just thankful that Selena has and our community has been involved in that for such a long time. I, I can't exactly tell you how many years it's been, but it's been a long, long time. I'm pretty sure it's been almost since the start. Because Selena is very active in social justice and stuff like that. So now the other thing uh, you might not know is it was actually started by a transgender advocate. Her name is Gwendolyn Ann Smith. And mm-hmm. it was started as a vigil to honor the memory of Rita Hester, who was a transgender woman who was murdered in 1998. Mm-hmm. And the vigil, and it goes on today, um, on the 20th, generally, 
commemorates all the transgender people, trans women and trans men, because a lot of people don't realize that there's trans men out there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have the male to female trans woman, but we also have female to male trans men. And it applies mm-hmm. to all of us. I mean, you know, um, and actually I would like to read um, her comments time in 1998, um, basically what she remembered. This is in her words, um, Gwendolyn Ann Smith's words. The Transgender Day of Remembrance seeks to highlight the losses we face due to anti-transgender bigotry and violence. I am no stranger to the need to fight for our rights and the right to simply exist as first and foremost. With so many seeking to erase transgender people, sometimes in the most brutal ways possible, it is vitally important that those we lose are remembered and that we continue to fight for justice. And keep in mind, this is pushing almost 20 years ago. It's mm-hmm. not getting any. It's not getting any better. Actually, we. Uh, by the time the 20th comes, we will have probably exceeded last year's by at least two. Uh, right now, depending on whose polls you look at, we're either at 26 or 25. And two weeks ago, it was 22. So, like I said, we keep right on top of this stuff. Um, and there's a lot of um, attention that we can uh, pull from worldwide, including the Pink News in the UK, um, mm-hmm. HRC, you know, Human Rights Campaign, and uh, also GLAD. So, you know, us so that are involved is, in a, on a daily basis, you know, it just keeps going on and on and on and on. So this just isn't um, a local or a national. Um, this is a, a, a worldwide day of remembrance. Oh, yes, um, definitely, 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 because um, one of the things, you know, the United States, we have too many trans deaths, obviously, mm-hmm. but then if you look at it worldwide, Brazil leads the leads the pack last year, yep. the year before, this year. We were talking and about we are, that. Yeah, we're talking hundreds, okay, mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and the problem we face worldwide and it's definitely not just in in you know in the United States um social injustice and inequity because a lot of the trans people and I'm talking women and men uh-huh. um a lot of them resort to basically selling their bodies for services to pay for uh-huh. hormones and, and stuff like that and that's uh-huh. where a lot of these murders occur so if especially in the United States, if the poor people had better access to health care, I think mm-hmm. a lot of that would stop. Um, even though prostitution is illegal in most states here, it still is a fact of life that a lot of them just can't do it. And unfortunately, it does cross racial boundaries because a very large percentage of them are women of color. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to pick that out, but it's it's a, it's been a, a fact, and it's a really really a shame that um, we have a regressive political system right now instead of a progressive 
political uh, fixes that may be. Earlier you talked about um, um, you yourself having feelings of suicide. Is this a common, um, is this something I would imagine suicidal thoughts and depression would be common when you are discriminated against? Um, Yes, um, it, it definitely is. And like I said before, too, a lot of it um, isn't just, oh, let's say, just the poor. Um, mm-hmm. I came from a hardworking rural background. I've had my own business for 39 years or had it, I should say. A lot of it is that a lot of us, when we come out, if we are unfortunate enough to be in a, a a situation where we could lose our jobs, lose our families, lose our spouses, mm-hmm. lose our kids. Depression sets in. Um, gender identity dysphoria, um, at least in 2013, hasn't been a mental illness. When I got diagnosed in 2004, I think it was, it was to get hormones, you had to be diagnosed with a mental illness, actually. And so many people can't afford the hormones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That leads to depression because you can't, you know, it's it's just terrible. And the thoughts of suicide come into play. Um, I think my first thought of suicide, I think I was 14. Um, you know, my father did not like the fact at age four or five that I identified as a, as a girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of abuse. Um stuff like that, and you you get to thinking about that kind of stuff, and it rears its ugly head, and our suicide least thought pattern generally in the last five years has been between 40 and 45, 46% of us that have least thought about suicide, and uh, of all the people that are murdered every year, there's quite a few, many, many times more than that the committed suicide some fairly young we had um actually two years ago we had one in madison uh, his name was skyler lee he was a trans man um died at age 16 oh, a, that's cool. um, and the year before that we had a young woman who was um, not quite 18 and a lot of times it happens when the parents are not accepting of their children. And that runs runs into a lot of stuff like I ran into, too. You know, in my opinion, parents should have unconditional love for their children, no matter how they identify. Uh-huh. And that is a, that's definitely a real problem. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't think it's going to get worse. I think eventually it'll get better with the education that we need to get out there I know I'm pretty active in uh, workshops and stuff like that, and we have a number of uh, young people, younger people in our community um, that are really, really um, coming into their own on transgender and gender nonconforming social justice issues. Uh, One nice thing about Circle Sanctuary is we do have the Lady Liberty League, and that (laughs) at times can come into play too, so the more we can tell people that we have these resources, I personally think the pagan community being 
is accepting as it is has an edge over what I would call the mundane world um, mm-hmm. because there's even within some of the LGBTQ communities, there's discrimination um, against the trans community by some gays, by some lesbians too. And uh, mm-hmm. I have experienced um, a little bit of gender biases and maybe within the trans organization because i am gender fluid i i present male i present female uh, i'm legally female identify as a lesbian and but you know can you, i wear what i want to <laughs> can you explain to me because um you're right there's a lot of terms that many folks are not familiar <laughs> with explain what gender fluid means well, okay, my my opinion of gender fluid is someone who chooses to be the way they feel like at any given moment. Uh, I use the word presentation with me. So let's just say that in my working life, I chose to present male. Uh-huh. All of my employees at the end for quite a few years knew I was trans, I chose myself to be fluid because some of the employees had been with me longer than mm-hmm. I was out. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And so not to, oh, let's say, force something down somebody's throats. And when you're also in business, you have to deal with a lot of far-right conservative Christians too. Um, you know, no matter what they say, you know, that they're this and they're that. A lot of them, uh, you know, I've read the Bible. My father was a deacon in the Baptist church, and he still beat on me. Um, And so you run into this bias. uh, Right. And it's just the reality of how the world is treating us. And I look at the fact that this is, you know, kind of interesting little sidebar here. Uh, I'm I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you're aware of this. Stonewall was in June uh, 1969, I believe. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Stonewall Stonewall riots in New York City. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was basically trans women and drag queens that started it as a revolt Mm -hmm. against the uh, New York City police. And they just started getting beat up and beat up and beat up. And that basically started the gay rights revolution. And then now, you know, last few years, we've had uh, Marriage Equality Act, which a lot of people mm-hmm. say is gay marriage. No, it's just it's marriage equality for everybody, not just gays. I mean, um, I firmly believe that if two people love each other, um, you know, then and if they're committed, why not be able to get married? But that's detracting from the transport, I guess. So I have another question. Um, tell me what gender nonconforming means for you. Well, gender nonconforming um, is actually a fairly new term. Uh, the pronouns used are generally they or them. It used to be called in my day and age androgynous, mm-hmm. where you may look at a person and not really know what, and I'll use the word, what their sex is or their gender is, and, and mm-hmm. let me quanti- let me quantify this too. Um, 
genders between the ears, sex is between the legs, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know more and more people who are gender nonconforming. At PSG, for instance, uh, this last year, Taltry, I had never been to a PSG, and I knew there was going to be a mixed group there. I didn't realize, however, how many young gender nonconforming people there were. In other words, you could look at someone who looks like a, a guy, might be a woman. You could look at a mm-hmm. woman and, you know, be a little surprised. But a lot of the younger um, pagans I met and have talked to and talked to their parents, by the way, uh, to explain that no matter what their child identifies at, you can always call them by their name, their given name, you know. <laughs> And a lot of older pagans are having a real hard time with this they and them stuff. And right. they'll look at someone that might look like a very attractive woman or young woman, and that person might identify as a man. So mm-hmm. identity is different than what you think it is or how people appear to you. Right. And thankfully, we've got two people in Chicago um, Jake Bradley and Nate Merrick, who are on the forefront of the social justice part, at least for PSG and their community down there in Chicago. Um, We also have a lot of gay and lesbian allies. Um, Uh I recently uh, have had contact with the Albuquerque Pagan Network over the last several months, and there's a lot of allies within the LGBTQ community. And that's really, really good simply because we need that support. And on the other hand, too, within the LGBT community, there are discriminatory people that are gay and lesbian that have a problem with trans people, too. So it's it's just a, a microcosm of the whole uh, world. And the thing I like about dealing with the pagan people in the LGBT community is the fact that the pagan community is so much more accepting of everybody than Mm -hmm. the mundane world, as as I'll put it, you know. And to me, that's a breath of fresh air. If the pagan community can look at people like that and accept us as we are, no matter what, Mm -hmm. why can't the rest of the world? That's one of the things that I think education is going to – have a definite impact on, and there's several of us in the pagan community nationally that are quite involved in education on that, and also within the social justice applications thereof. We uh, also, in our community, the trans and and gender nonconforming community, Uh um, need safe places and pagan events are generally pretty darn safe for all of us. And that's an important thing, too, that you you really never know who might hate you. And I, I think, you know, at least what I've known for a long, long time as a pagan community, I feel safer than I do in the regular mundane world, let's say, Um I wish we could have our own little pagan world period and nobody could come into it, you know. <laughs> um, you know. A lot of people but, say uh, pagan spirit gathering PSG is a real safe place that people feel that they can 
um, I've had many people talk about that they get to be who they are and they get to be a certain way, and it's the only time mm-hmm. in the year that they really can be like that. So yeah, i i had a I had a very um, humbling experience actually at PSG, and it happened at the uh, Social Justice Center at Rainbow Camp. I'm pretty open about being trans, and some of the gender nonconforming uh, activists actually think I come across too open. I choose to be open um, and will talk about myself and people like me uh-huh. to just about anybody within reason, of course. In the mundane world, uh-huh. I have to be a little more careful. But I found a number of young trans and both trans women and trans men that were not out uh-huh. in their lives. They were not out to coworkers. They were not out to anybody. And it huh. was they were very teary eyed at, at times when they realized that they could present um uh-huh. the way they want to, need to and should be able to rather than have somebody say, Well, that looks like a guy in a dress type mentality, which we still run into a lot of. Um uh-huh. and again I think the pagan community overall is hundreds of percent uh, more advanced in human rights than, let's say, our normal mundane community. Um, it, it's been really refreshing to go to a national event, and, I, and I've been to national trans events too, um, going way back. We had a thing in Chicago called the Be All, uh-huh. um, and that was pretty open back then. Of course, it's no longer in existence, but... There's been times where <clears throat> people that aren't out need a <clears throat> excuse me need a, uh, a safe place to hang and talk to people like themselves. I remember when many 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 years ago I knew what I knew I was different, but there wasn't any information on the internet. At least we have lots of information available, you know, today. But I still, you know, as out as I am. I will not walk into a redneck bar, I, you know, anything like that. Um, so I'm very careful, for the most mm-hmm. part, of how I present, let's say. Um, and generally speaking, um, I have been misgendered just wearing male clothing as a female, which really mm-hmm. blew my mind a couple of times. Uh, actually, it had happened over a year ago at Green Spirit. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually helping doing some sanitation work and got misgendered. And uh, this pagan woman came up and um, thought I was, you know, a cis woman. So I go, hmm. But there's a lot of us that, um, I'll use the word pass, for instance, that don't feel comfortable. And when a trans person doesn't feel comfortable within their own self, let's say, will give off a vibe that is counterproductive to their safety. Mm-hmm. And when I I talked to a number of parents at PSG who actually came to me, I was camping near a lot of them, and says, I don't understand why my, at this point, daughter is this way. I just don't understand. And I had to sit down with them and say, look, <laughs> 
love your daughter the way she is in your brain. But if she prefers they or them pronouns, just call your daughter, you know, in your terms, by your daughter's name. And that will eliminate all the they, them. I, that's what I do a lot of times now. Um, you know, I came from okay. a generation that that didn't exist, you know. But it's okay to ask people because I have met transgender um, people who wanted the they or them or mm-hmm. non-gender pronouns. But I've also right. met, uh, yourself included, many who want the the she, he, they want mm-hmm. those pronouns. So yeah, I, well, it's ask. an individual choice, Deborah. It really is. Um, you know, I know Jake and Nate, um, and I've, I've seen this happen at Circle, actually. Um, hi, I'm Jake. I use they and them pronouns. Right. And right. I think it's up to an individual. If you're not sure, and if you get the vibe that it's not a cisgendered male or female, in my opinion and a lot of others like me, it's okay to ask what your preferred pronouns are. And if they're trans or gender nonconforming, and we'll use that, the trans, let me back up a little bit. The trans community is basically all gender nonconforming because Mm -hmm. it's just an umbrella term. Transgender is a very large umbrella. And a lot of the Mm -hmm. millennials have come up with, stuff like gender queer uh and stuff like that and uh-huh. it's kind of confusing to parents let's say that are in their 40s or 50s or older uh-huh. people you know what is all this stuff we don't understand mm-hmm. it so i took it on myself too at psg to say okay if you want to know more about it i can definitely work with you on that um and if you're brought up to the fact that there's only male or female, and let's face right. it, a lot of sages and, and crones have been brought up that way, and I've had right. both come to me and say, we really need to know more about this because we're really right. not sure how to address that with a younger pagan, let's say. Right, right. I very seldom run into that in the mundane world because people are too set in their ways, and that's, again, why the, the pagan community has always been, uh, at least to me, uh, very open about learning and not afraid to ask, you know. And uh, would I do what I do in the pagan community in the in the what I you know the mundane world? No, um, and not unless someone absolutely knew I was trans and wanted to know. Then I would. But no, I'm very guarded uh, in my social life outside of the pagan community even though i am open um it's you know it's just different and you never know who is going to be accepting of you or and not, not. Um, right i've got i've got relatives that won't accept me uh, my parents never did um i've got one sister um who prefers to call me by my given name, and I will be having my name legally changed next week because that also mm-hmm. had to do with my business, as I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one sister, the youngest one, is very accepting. My brother, mm-hmm. yeah, he could go either way, actually. 
And when you get comments like, well, I've always known you as my brother, and, you know, that's just going to be the way it is, and I go, fine. You know, if you want to be that way, I'm not going to, you know, bother. But if you think I'm going to come and visit you, forget it. (laughs) You know, know? so that's their choice. And I think that's the whole key, Deborah. is it's that person's choice. Right. And that's why it's so important at our pagan events to keep a safe place for those that aren't out. Because if you out someone who is gender nonconforming or trans, it could cost them their jobs, their careers, money. Their life. Um, their life. <clears throat> right. um, and to me, that's a very sensitive uh, topic. And when you out somebody that's not by themselves, my sister outed me, actually, to some cousins three months mm. ago. And I got on her case about that. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, no, it's not appropriate. It's not good. If I'm going to out it's not your somebody, story. It's not- no, it's not your story. And you've got to, you know, take that in consideration. And that is what will trigger death. Uh, yeah. It can trigger somebody getting murdered. It can trigger suicide. Um you know, and it's it's kind of tough when you're talking to somebody on the phone that you just happen to know, you know, and they're thinking about doing themselves in. It's like um, you got to tread kind of carefully, you know. And unfortunately, some of us deal with this violence so much. I will say this: we do not get immune to it. Um, there are days we just have to shut down the computer and say, I'm going for a walk or I'm going to meditate or something like yeah. that because it can get overwhelming. I mean, uh, I'm putting together this list of names for the 20th for Circle, and, you know, I actually have gotten posts uh, from people, are you sure this person's on the list somewhere? And I'm, I'm correlating between three different lists right now. Some are pretty darn accurate, some are not. So yeah. I've got to do this all before the before our uh, event on the 20th. Also, I want to uh, hype this. Selena and I are thinking, not definite yet, but we're thinking about going Facebook Live around noon on the 20th at Circle, at Circle oh. Sanctuary, um, which will be the first time Circle Sanctuary has gone live on a Facebook uh, post. Selena's done a couple of them uh, from her home outside of Barneveld and also a couple at Circle. And she did Uh one live at um, Chicago Pagan Pride of Peace. So the more we can get information out on social media, and I mean it's not just in the pagan community because I cross-post stuff all over the place. I mean, Uh for this this talk tonight, I posted it on – um, I also have my own group called the Pagan Wiccan Friends Group, and I posted on there. I posted it on the Albuquerque Pagan Network. I have no idea who's going to listen in. I know, some, I do know for a fact there's going to be a couple pagans from New Mexico listening in. Hopefully, right. Brian, if you're there, say hi. You know. <laughs> um, and well, let, me, let me ask you a quick question. I know sure. on Monday, November twentieth, um, Circle Sanctuary. Um, is having a transgender day of remembrance, memorial Correct. ceremony, and community yes. sharing. And you're ha- tell me about 
that the because it's changed a little bit. They're doing something a little bit different this year, aren't they, with the memorial circle? Um, we actually did a memorial circle last year. Okay. Um, and for me, it was it was the first one I had ever participated in, especially at circle. I had done one similar at my UUA congregation, and then the one at uh, circle. I got kind of overwhelmed because every time I read my part of my name, there was three of us reading, I got mm-hmm. flashbacks of whom I was reading the name. I could see their face, their That's dead hard. face. And That's- it's like it's hard to stay concentrated on it, you know. But one thing that I think is different um, when you're doing a memorial ritual, it's kind of like a ritual at Samhain. Um, you you can feel the power, let's say, and the love within the circle, especially when you have multiple gender nonconforming people there. And mm-hmm. last year, since it was on a Sunday, we had people from as far away as 200 miles. Oh, wow. Um, and we had some people from Chicago, Sheboygan, Milwaukee, um, Green Bay. I mean, we had a lot, and some of them were not trans. Some of them were just, you know, circle members, or they had heard about it, or they were allies. Um, I found in New Mexico there was a number of gay trans allies. You know, there's a lot of trans allies, and that's what I talked about in uh, in New Mexico at both workshops. You know, if you can get straight, gay, lesbian people to be our allies, it gives us strength, okay? Mm-hmm. And the more people that know that we're not a, that we're not the threat, and that's the whole key. And within the pagan community, the difference we have between us and them, let's say, is the fact that when we're in a ritual space, a sacred space, there's so much energy that is there that we can send out, and that's what we're trying to accomplish. Selena, Selena especially, and I are trying to accomplish that via Facebook Live. Can we put out enough mm-hmm. energy to change even one person's opinion on social media? Now, keep in mind, this is not going out to just pagans. This mm-hmm. is going out to a lot of different groups. Uh, it's being it's going to be cross platformed eventually, and it's going to be archived. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be archived and going out as video on Instagram, and you know beside Facebook and stuff like that. Possibly picked up on YouTube or actually put on YouTube. Um, Selena's taken a pretty good aggressive approach at this now with social media, and which I'm very thankful for. So for me, it's been um, quite an experience, uh, you know, basically working with her one-on-one um, to facilitate this stuff. Uh, three years ago, I wouldn't have dreamed it would have been possible. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we can do it within our pagan community, my question to the greater audience is, why can't everybody do it, learn from us, um, you know, we are not the ones that go and hassle people in the bathrooms. <laughs> Believe yeah. me on that. Um, 
we go there the same reason everybody else goes there. We have to go to the bathroom. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, it's it's quite profound, let's say, to do this social media live interaction because we can send it out instantly to literally millions and millions of people. And, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to get some bad vibes on it. We're going to get people that don't like it too bad. <laughs> One advantage of the social media is once it's out there, it's out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you deal with the rep- replications that come back. Obviously, it's going to go to the pagan community first. But I know it's going to get shared. And I know it's going to get shared with the LGBT community that are allies to the trans community, if that makes sense. And Absolutely. when when I deal with other organizations, including out of state, and another thing I like about the pagan community is because we also are in all the other communities too, you know, like the straight community, mm-hmm. the gay community, lesbian community, the whole bit. Um, you know, there's, a, you know, every cross plane, uh, cross part of society is within our pagan community. Let's face it, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and so if we can educate and then send that further, maybe, just maybe, I don't think it will happen in my lifetime, maybe someday the violence will stop. Yeah. And the other reason in the United States, the violence could stop if people would just stop and think that there's no reason to attack a trans person. We are not the threat. We are the victims. And it's interesting, we've mentioned several times tonight that Circle Sanctuary is a safe place. And Circle Sanctuary, and if anyone's interested, they can go on the website, which is www.circlesanctuary.org. They actually have an inclusiveness policy, and I'll just read yes. a little expert of it. Circle Sanctuary recognizes and honors the divine nature and essential human dignity of all persons, regardless of their race, ethnic origin, age, gender, gender identification, sexual orientation, religion, disability, economic circumstances, physical appearance, body size, marital status, or military status. Circle Sanctuary takes diversity inclusiveness seriously and does not tolerate harassment of any kind towards their event. If anyone engages in behavior that jeopardizes the safety or comfort of any person or gathering, please inform Circle Sanctuary staff or festival coordinators immediately so the matter can be addressed. And that's just an excerpt. But they have a very thorough policy mm-hmm. that they adhere to very strictly. Yeah, I can honestly say that, um, without going into any detail, <clears throat> that um, Selena, for sure, and the board of directors of Circle mm-hmm. and the Lady Liberty League, uh, we're all in the same opinion on that. People have been asked to leave Circle. That I do Mm -hmm. know. Um, And I will say because of of what Selena started a long time ago with the Lady Liberty League, that is what flows into the social justice part of Circle Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And that's cross-platform, the PSG and the whole, well, PSG is actually started by Selena anyway. But that is cross-platform, period. Um, you know, and I think that's what makes our our gatherings very, very safe. Um, 
when I was at Magical Mountain Maybon in um, New Mexico in September, um, I felt very safe there too. And you know, and I so you know, I I really feel safer within pagan groups than I do even in my own trans groups, which mm-hmm. is sad. It's very mm-hmm. actually very sad. Um, I have had issues with trans people in Madison. Madison's very liberal. It's rated mm-hmm. 100% on the HRC as far as trans acceptance, actually LGBTQTIA um, acceptance. And a little trivia for it, there's not too many rated 100%. Uh, Burlington, mm-hmm. Vermont's one of them, and Missoula, Montana's one of them, too, by the way. Um, and so if you go to hrc.org, you can find out, um, you know, what's, where's a good, safe place to be. That's unfortunate because, you know, I know within the pagan community, if I go to a pagan event, I'm going to be safe. Right. You know? And so I don't worry about it. Should I have to worry as a trans person about where I live, um, what I do, where I work, where I play? Right. I shouldn't have to. Unfortunately, it happens. Um, And that, again, adds stress. When you get stress with dysphoria and stuff like that, depression um, that's why I'm so adamant about education. And, you know, I've even had people in the trans community in January say, oh, I'm going to take all the, you know, rainbow stuff off of my car and blah, blah, blah. And I've got to see, I've got an LGBT outreach sticker on my van. I got a PSG mm-hmm. sticker. I've got the Circle Sanctuary Circle of Stones on there. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I think I'm going to actually put out of the broom closet on the van, too. What the heck, you know. Um, You know, but it's just sometimes I I think it's humorous that these people are so ignorant, you know, about this stuff. And I know I am not what I would consider normal with my age. Definitely Mm -hmm. not. I'm older than a lot of pagans at PSG and stuff, but I also have a lot of young pagan, especially gender nonconforming people that I have talked to, have mentored actually, who have come to me. So it's kind of different with the seniorine thing under my belt now that I am teaching the older but still younger than me pagan community about people like me and yet having the sm- the younger people especially the gender nonconforming people coming to me and say how did you do that how did you accomplish this how did you come out what happened um i'll give an example of someone last year i was um doing i think i talked talk to you a little bit about this i was doing sanitation and i was basically presenting mail and I had a person walk up to me and knew I was trans. And this person was a very attractive, in my brain at that point, young woman, and uh-huh. identified as a trans man. That's uh-huh. somewhat hard to wrap your head around, and that's the problem we're having with the older pagans, okay? 
<laughs> so at the Samhain ritual, again last year, um, I had this person identified at the time, he, and his friend Eli was they and them. And during one part of the ritual, I was standing right with them. Next thing I know, we're with a straight college friend of theirs, me and these two young pagans in a Uh hug, and they're just sobbing their eyes out. And I says, okay, what's going on all of a sudden? Something had happened during the ritual outside during around the bonfire and stuff. And he says, our parents don't like the fact that we're trans and they don't like the fact that we're in a, a pagan organization in our college. Mm-hmm. And they were bawling. And at that point, you have to like, okay, let's remember that we're a family. We are pagan. Mm-hmm. We are there. You're, so you have your trans family, your pagan family. You can choose your family. And that's very important to some of these people that are being biased against by their parents and society. Um, And that helped. The thing that I really um, got teary-eyed a little bit at Salwin this year, I was helping out in our resource shop, Eli Uh walked in and says to me, do you remember me? I go, yes, your name is Eli, and you're smiling. And that was it. It was like I almost lost it. But in one year, this person had come to grips with themselves and um, and still identified they, them. And I've gotten to the point now where I don't care what they look like in my brain. If they say it's they, them, or he, or she, that's what they are, period. And some days it's a little tough to wrap it. Yeah. But some days it's kind of tough to wrap your head around it, too. <laughs> so, you know, but it works out. I mean, um, again, I can't thank Circle Sanctuary enough for what they've done for our trans community and for our, our LGBTQ community, too. I mean, um, beside being trans and gender nonconforming and gender fluid, I'm also intersex, too, by the way. Um so I've had a kind of an interesting life. And if I can help someone else through that portal, let's say, to stay on this side of the veil, especially at this time of year, I will do what I can. And yeah. I, I just don't want to see anyone get so down. And winter is tough on people like us. Um <laughs> Because sometimes the holidays, with all the stuff in the mundane world going on, it takes away from what we honestly believe in. And yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting, um, frustrating, interesting. You know, the whole nine yards. I mean, it's just it's just different. You know. Well, Bree, I can't believe it, but our time is almost at a close. Yeah, I've been you looking at the clock and I'm going, holy crap, you were right, it, it went really fast. <laughs> I told you, I, 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 when we talked on the phone forever, I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, I would like to thank our special guest tonight, Brianna Ravenwolf, or Bree, for sharing her journey and telling us about Transgender Day of Remembrance. 
on Monday, November 20th. Bree, thank you so much for taking the time you, to talk to You're all quite of welcome. Um, I also want to thank, beside you, definitely want to thank Selena Fox um, mm-hmm. and everybody at Circle Sanctuary that's made this possible, and um, the Ewings, especially the Ewings, too. I mean, the Circle Ministers are doing a fabulous job. Uh, and, again, it was so nice to meet you and Casey, too, at uh, PSG. And I had the opportunity to be at Circle during Samhain where she got ordained as one of our Circle Ministers. And uh, that was pretty special, you know. Absolutely. And remember, everyone, if you live near Barneville, Wisconsin, you can attend the Transgender Day of Remembrance Memorial Ceremony and Community Sharing Circle facilitated by Reverend Selena and Brianna. This event is free and open to the public. Bring a votive candle and a votive glass to kindle, and remember to RSVP via email to circles at circlesanctuary.org. Besides Bree, I'd like to thank David, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. I'd like to thank Pagans tonight on Blog Talk Radio for hosting our show. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Radio. And remember, we're here each Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Central, or 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. Each week, we'll explore various topics of interest to the Pagan community. We'll now transition our show with a musical selection. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. Blessed be to you, too, Deborah, and everybody on this network. One spirit in the dark, like a candle wavers. Many spirits joined as one, burned with the power of the blazing sun.
You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 